0: Perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
0: Alright, this is the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast My name is Michael Rapport, a.k.a. The Gringo Man Dingo So uh, we were down in New Orleans uh, with the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast and starting this new show that we're doing on TuneIn Radio Me and my man Kenyon Martin We're doing it every Wednesday, 5 to 7 Eastern Uh, All NBA everything, but we talk about everything It's dope It's called the Two Man Weave Me and Kmart, who you might have heard in the other podcast. We had an all Kmart episode. But today, uh, we're doing something cool, man. This is a mashup. The I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast is sponsored by Casper Mattress, an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. You could try a Casper mattress for 100 nights, risk-free, in your home. If you do not love it, they will pick it up and refund you everything With over 20,000 reviews online and an average of 4.8 stars, Casper is quickly becoming the Internet's most popular mattress. They have sheets, they have pillows, they even have doggy beds. Go to Casper.com, save $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com forward slash Rappaport. Use the promo code Rappaport. Try a Casper mattress 100 nights risk-free in your home. If you don't love it, they will pick it up and refund you everything. Go to www.casper.com forward slash Rappaport.
3: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
2: It's two-man weave with Michael Rappaport and Kenyon Martin. Oh,
4: did Martin get that? on the way back down, he tipped in the alley The set play out of the timeout. That might be the dunk of the night.
2: Live from
5: All-Star Weekend in New Orleans.
0: All right, my name is Michael Rappaport. This is the two-man weave, but I'm about to run the three-man weave, and I'm, I'm going to just throw it up on the break. And I'm going to get it to somebody, either one of these dudes in their prime. I don't know what they have left in the tank as far as slamming it down. I know Kenyon can do a little something. Rex, I'm not sure. My name is Michael Rapport. I'm here with Kenyon Martin. We have a true unicorn of basketball, the great Rex Chapman. Okay? You've done a lot of things on the court, but first of all, I just I just want to rock people's world. Five-star basketball camp after your freshman year, Kentucky. Right. You're a counselor, quiet guy, shy guy, Ramil Robinson.
2: Yeah, me and Ramil, rooming together. We, sure. we were there as campers a couple years before. Probably
0: in the blue chip status. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we were invited.
2: Right, you were invited. We were invited. Yeah,
0: I I, I wasn't invited. I just was there. <laughs> but, 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 but,
2: but. Were you one, one of the guys cleaning up the tables? What'd I they wasn't, no, no.
0: I wasn't cleaning tables. <laughs> Okay, but I wasn't in that other special little thing where you're invited and you're getting sneakers and God knows what under the table. Uh, uh,
2: yeah, yeah, Listen,
0: we don't want to talk about that right now, <laughs> but Rex Chapman was one of my counselors at camp, okay, at, at the five-star basketball camp. I don't know if this was 86, 87. Now, did you remember this about me, Rex Chapman? Like, were you able to put two and two? I, at that time, I wasn't a world-renowned actor, obviously.
2: No, uh, uh, yes, I put it together. We talked the other day. You told me, and the second you said five-star, I went, I knew I knew that little annoying New York dude somewhere. That's right. I That's exactly talk- what it was. Hey, by the way, do we have another chair? Uh, is it going to break? No, George. Okay. George is coming, right? George Carl? Oh, okay. I figured George will come in Yeah, we, got to- we What are y'all doing tonight, Kate? You and George.
0: Um,
3: what
2: are you and George doing tonight?
3: Probably go play in traffic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> On the freeway?
2: Yeah. Play
3: frog or we'll let him go first. <laughs>
2: Right,
3: if, so he makes have... it, if he makes
2: it, I'll go. <laughs> okay, okay. I said, I'll try to set it up. No, I won't either.
0: Rex Chapman is here on the three-man weave. Yes. Kenny Morton, how do you guys know each other?
2: Um, uh, well, my one of my point guards in the league was Jay Kidd. Yep. Yeah. One of his great point guards. When they went, we traded Jay. I said, I, I played against you, right? Yeah. 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 And then uh, um, Jay went to New Jersey, where they went to the finals. And right. then I retired. And then... I brought Kenyon back out to Denver. I was with Kenyon in Denver after that second. We signed him to a big deal, yeah. right? But then we he got this second microfracture. Right. He went from Kenyon to Kenron. Uh huh.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> microfracture ain't no joke. <laughs> no,
0: Microfracture's not. no joke of an injury, had one,
3: right? Had one on each knee, man. Uh-huh. Uh, one, the the only the only athlete to ever play. After micro, double microfractures,
2: but not lose any bounce either. Right. That's the crazy yeah. thing about right. him. That's just genetics, man. Right. I mean, he, he he was cut on three
3: times, two, yeah. three, three times. Three on my left knee, one on my right knee.
2: We're sending him to get blood plasma, spilling, spun, spine and everything. I tried everything, and came back jumping just as high every single time.
3: The point we was making earlier about wanting to play. Right. I did everything imaginable to stay on the court, man. Right. I'm you not did. trying to sit out no games. Right. I'm trying to play. Right. Going through need all that. I'm trying yeah. to play. I ain't trying to miss nothing. Much. That was it. Yeah. So, so Rex, um, with the state of, like, so certain front offices throughout the league now, you're a former player. Right. Do you feel that more guys, former players, should be put in those positions? Like, the, not not everybody can do the job. I know right. that. Right. Not everybody can look at talent and see talent on the fly and or put a team together. Mm-hmm. But you, you've been around. You have conversations with guys that you played against. Right. Um, maybe younger, maybe older, whatever, do you think more guys should be put in those positions and not guys who, say, went to school for sports management or, or so to speak, or, like, those kind of things? Do you think, like, uh, certain guys deserve those type of, uh, opportunities?
2: This is a this is a great question. And here's what I love about listening to Kenyon. You know, people don't know Kenyon. Right. They don't know the depth of Kenyon. I agree. They just see the guy on TV and they, they oh, he's like Boogie Cousins or right. he like Rashid. Or, nope. Right. There's a lot of depth to this young man right here. I agree. right? I agree. Um, here, here's what I think, Kay. Hey, yeah, you know, we all want to see our peers do well mm-hmm. and, and succeed and move on and have opportunities. I think the NBA is a real cyclical kind of kind of deal. Mm-hmm. You know, for years and years, it was just basketball players in those positions. Yeah. You know, you go back to when I was coming through the mid-'80s and before that, it was all basketball people. Over the years, you know, as we've gotten into Analytics more and and there are more opportunities I think for guys that are <laughs> that have done the the schoolwork and mm. know that side of it, but I also think that it'll come back around. You know, right now mm. most of the guys running teams, I guess the yeah. most part, yeah, are you know guys who went to school, with studied at marketing and analytics and, and sports and and all that, and do great jobs. Yeah. I think that at some point though, it'll circle back.
3: It should be a mix though. It, it should it, it should be guys who been in the fold, know yep. what it takes in order to compete at that level. Yeah. And, and mix it with those guys who know the numbers and put the numbers in. Okay, this is what I think we need. Mm-hmm. This is what the numbers say. There's a little you, bit of a divide.
2: It, yeah, 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 a divide. Yeah, though, definitely. There's a divide, though, between, you know, the, the yeah. analytic guys. They they think they know it all. Well, they know all that stuff. I understand. I, now
3: Let me I, ask you this. Uh-huh. Can you go to, like right now, we can win New Orleans. We can go to any court, any gym, any place. Yep in this city mm-hmm. we can sit there for two hours and watch basketball mm. right do you you know you can pick out who can and who cannot play basketball
2: yes right yes i feel like so I can.
3: that's what i think is missing yeah the eye test yeah people the, put these numbers in the computer like oh he don't oh, he drive left too much yeah oh he don't work for us the you know best yeah you're so, right so, but
2: the best you, guys the best guys doing the job right now are guys like you know danny ainge mm-hmm. rc buford these guys with with track records of Mm. building championship teams. But the one thing I know from those guys is that they take analytics and they take the workout and they take the body. They're all tools. Mm. And the best of them won't just look at the analytics and go, we got to plug him in. They do have the eye test. So, you know, but I'm with you. Look, this guy, he can run a team. I know this. You you put him in, in, in a personnel spot. He knows
0: his basketball IQ is is, he is knows. High. You know what?
2: I now am just remembering about <clears throat> five star. That was great player. I should have been. I should have been recruited a little bit higher. Well, no, that Pat, that Patrick Knight, Bobby's son, whipped your ass all week, didn't he?
0: Oh no, he didn't crack huh? my ba- ass. Ba- no, Patrick um, Knight? No, no, no. He didn't give me no business. You gave him that I, left no, he, janky left-handed that, jump shot. Did you know you remember it. See, I mate, mean, this is we're going back twenty That's right. years. That's right. Thirty. I guess,
3: hey, guess what? Thirty, 30 years. That means you did something right. That's right.
0: Now, Patrick and I didn't give anything. I You think I'm going to let some <laughs> son of a coach give me a problem from Indiana? I'm from New York. I had some pride with me. He was going to get a form or something like that. Yeah. You know what's crazy about that, K I I believe that you're Sean Kemp.
2: I think Sean was there. I think maybe Grant Hill. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, Grant he, was there your age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No,
0: Grant was a little older than me. but I guess.
2: And maybe Leitner. Yes. Like, yeah. They and were I'm, young. You guys were all high schoolers. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: I mean, yeah, I love that you associate me with yeah, you like some
2: you, of the blue chip recruits. Mike Rappaport, Grant Hill, Sean, Layton, and Sean, Sean Kemp. Kemp. I, yeah. I
0: swear to God, it was a good one, class. yeah, it was a good class. I remember <laughs> looking over at Sean Kemp, who was either eighteen or nineteen, but he was full grown. Full grown, yeah. And I look over at him, and he has like a like a full goatee. <laughs> I mean, the basketball camp was the best players in the country. It was literally like it was like square dancing. And we're hit. playing out,
2: outside, right? Right. And it was long. Those courts long, felt longer so than long normal and hot. Hot. Hot,
0: but a great camp to learn, oh, yeah. though.
2: Yeah, it was, for sure.
0: Now, you guys played on this Denver team, which I think over the years will be sort of remembered and, 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 and sort of like it, it, like there's a folklore about this team. You have Kenyon, you have JR, you have uh, Carmelo. Mm-hmm. What, was, what was it like sort of these guys with these, these young stallions? And Allen.
2: We had AI,
0: right? That, he came later. Yeah,
2: came came a little later, but took that team with Chauncey and went to the Western Conference Finals. Got beat by the Lakers in six. Right. And if Mello would have showed up that day, we'd have got them.
0: What, what was it like? <laughs> Your boy Mello. I'm sorry. My boy Mello. Your boy Mello. We're with Mello with the braids. That's our guy. There's Mello. a lot of dudes. J.R. Smith likes the basketball. Mm-hmm. Carmelo likes the basketball. Obviously, Allen likes the basketball. And Allen, and then you got, and then you got Kenyon and Nene. And Nene,
2: Yeah, had a, had a talented, talented team now. Well, really what, talented. Well,
0: what do you do with all that talent, all these personalities? You got tattoos every day. Yeah. My man Kenny's got tattoos, then he's got tattoos covered. Dude's, oh, yeah. I mean, well, what was it like be sort of – and you're an ex-player. You're respected. Yeah. What are we doing with this team? And well, what is George called? That's like, George,
2: he, exactly. Break What's it down. George, here, We had a great team for George because, as you know, Kay, George thrives on controversy. He thrives on the drama, likes it. If, if, there, if there's no drama, he'll inject a little bit. That's just how he is. So he kind of liked – I know he liked our personalities. Because we. The thing when you got Kenyon Martin and, and Nene uh, trotting those guys out there at the four and five position every night in this watered-down NBA, you got half the big man battle won the second you step on the court with these two guys. Right. Guys, guys don't want to go against Kenyon Martin and Nene every single night, not in today's NBA they right. don't. Right. Right. So, we had a good mix of guys, a fun group of guys. There was drama all the time—guys getting fined, guys <clears> being late—the uh, norm, normal stuff. But we kind of embraced that and, you know, let let our guys be who they are. And we took a shot, took a big
0: swing. When 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 you were playing Rex with your career, I mean, there's so much I could talk to you about. When, you mean you in Kentucky? I mean, people don't remember. <laughs> some people do, some people don't. But I mean, when you you were like a star. It was UK. You were a white dude with a motor and who could jump. Were you, I mean, like, were you offended when Woody Harrelson came out? Be like, yo, I'll bang it on you. Like, Woody, I don't know what you're doing, Woody, but I'll bang it on you backwards, sidewards, two hands, one in. Hand. Did that movie offend you? Did the concept no. of that offend you?
2: No, it it, it didn't. Uh, I, one of my favorite like things that was that white going, guy can't. Jump. Yeah. This
3: white guy can't.
2: Right. <laughs> Kenya knows. I had a lot of fun with my teammates growing up. But, but my, for most of my team – most of my teammates, they know this one thing about me. In practice, I would do it all the time, dating back to a high school. And I would come in and I'd catch somebody and I would dunk and yell "Cracker!" <laughs> yeah, you yell yelling in the game too, right. in the NBA game, and guys on the bench just cracking up, oh, laughing. Did yeah, yeah. he yell "Cracker"?
0: <laughs> right, right. Because That's I mean, you, you were so heavily recruited, you were such a star, and and what do you like when you look back at, at like that recruiting time? in college yeah. basketball has changed yeah, so it was much. I mean, was it as crazy and like do you get all the offers like every school wanted you, correct? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, like are the coaches coming at you with all sorts of shenanigans? Oh, yeah.
2: I mean, you know, this was in the 80s, so it was right. kind of a free for all. I, I remember getting up one morning and, and went outside and uh, or uh, in the evening, I, I'd taken a nap and the recruiting pr- uh, recruiting period was supposed to start at like midnight. There's this guy out in front of us, asleep in the car, Owensboro, Kentucky, sleeping in the car. And I walked out there and I get ready and I get ready to knock on the window. And he goes, "And look, Jimmy V, Coach Valvano, sleeping in the car out there, waiting for midnight, so he could be the
0: first guy." That's crazy. That is crazy. That's a great story. You're you're doing you're doing stuff here on TuneIn, right? NBA on TuneIn. Are you excited about it? Fired
2: up. What's better than this? I, I mean, it. I was doing some stuff the other night, just having it—you know—hearing those live, those live listen-ins, yeah. uh, where you can hear the guys just attacking the glass, ah! you know, and hear the yeah. hear the rim and the and the crowd. It's fantastic, right? Right. We get to do this and still and, being
3: in the fold, without, yeah, without being having the wear and tear on your body, still being able to talk hoops, camaraderie right. with the guys, and building different relationships. Man, no, it's, it's great.
2: I yeah. like that I'm able to. To, you know, kind of bridge with Kenyon because he was still playing. I played against him a little bit. I was an old guy by the time he was run, running through from Cincinnati. We did, we did bang Cincinnati one time when I was in school. Though.
3: Well, we was trying to get that bump when I was in school. <laughs> no, want, you were. No, hey, we didn't. They didn't want Not that bump with you. When, like, when I was there, we no. was trying to get that bump. You, you, yeah. you were trying to get we, that bump. We hey. want this. We wanted. We wanted Kentucky. We already were smacking Louisville. Louisville yeah. We wanted Kentucky and yeah. we wanted to play Ohio State. Hey, and they
2: were not play us. Kentucky's not exposing we itself to the number one we want, Listen,
3: right. we wanted all of that. We wanted to own that little tri-state thing. We, you wanted, wanted everybody. we wanted to own that. And they wouldn't give us that bump.
2: David Robinson thought he wanted some of it too when he was a senior and I was yeah. a freshman. He didn't want none of, none of the, Kentucky, yeah. when, but he did give us a triple double. <laughs> oh, no, see,
0: exactly. When you were a freshman in in college, who were the other guys? Who who was in your class as in in, uh, in college?
2: It would be myself, uh, J.R. Reed, oh Terry Mills, right, Derek Coleman, wow, Nick Anderson, mm. um Ramil Ramil Robinson, right. Um, you know we I. I we might only had one or two All-Stars, but I want to say that D.C. was. I was once and then replaced because I got hurt. Uh, but I think we had the most guy, you know, not All-Stars, not all NBA guys, the most McDonald's guys to play, I want to call it, eight years in the league. Right. Something like that. So
0: a bunch of them, but just good players. Yeah, just a couple. Yeah. Now, there's, there's a myth. I don't know if this is true. You babysat a young Steph was my
2: rookie year. Um, you know, I was in 88. Uh, 88?
0: Yeah, that's offensive. Yeah, 88.
2: <laughs> this is what, 29th year in the league.
0: That's offensive, man.
2: <laughs> he and Dell and Sonia were living, uh, they lived two doors down from me. The first day I got there, I, I pulled up, had to unload stuff. Dell had a broken arm in position. He helps me, they help and we became, became the best of friends and then and Dell about once a week would drop off little baby Stefan. with I was 19 at the time and I would just pray he wouldn't wake up pray I didn't have to change that nasty diaper but Are I did plenty serious? of that yeah so once or twice a week they'd bring him out go out for movie night and I would just I would just pray that he wouldn't die in my care <laughs> now,
0: now it's good to, it's good to- Oh,
3: Wardell
2: Curry is,
3: but that's 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 hell of a trust of a teammate. Yeah, listen, I love all my my teammates. Listen, I'm not dropping down one of my kids off. Listen,
4: with Jr. Not at all. Not Jr. Smith. (laughs) Not at all.
0: Rookie Jr. Smith. Not at all. Second year Jr. Smith. Not at all. Even fourth year Jr. Smith. I almost saw him.
2: I almost saw him kill Jr. Tell me the story, Rex. You know, as as pranks go, Jr. Jr. got got. And he determined Kenyon just got a brand new, what was it?
3: My range.
2: Brand range new rover. range rover. And JR. White,
3: White interior. JR okay.
2: decided during the during the game he was gonna have the ball boys go out and just open it all up, open the open the T uh, Top.
0: Right. The The, the sunroof. Sun you old T <laughs> Top. Yeah, and, and he's and, from that's
2: Kentucky. I'd right. and, and wear a mullet right now if I could. Yeah, uh,
0: and he's southern.
2: <laughs> but JR puts Uh, Just a whole car full of buttered ballgame popcorn in Kenyon's car and it wasn't coming out and he went nuts. We had to get Jr. out of there. Like, it was a serious, serious thing. For a couple of days, it I was, was over,
3: listen, <laughs> I was trying to go to his house.
2: Yes, he was. But,
3: listen, Rex called. <laughs> Stan Crunky called. Josh Crunky called. Everybody, team said, security called.
5: I got
2: to call everybody, him off the
3: ledge. Everybody called, like, Kenny, please don't go over there. <laughs> please don't go over this boy house. Listen, yo.
2: It hey, was code red listen, for a while. So, I
3: went back. So, so, so the where so it was. So, I didn't play this game. Listen. So, so I didn't play. So, I didn't have nothing in my pockets in my suit. And so I just put in my car keys, <laughs> my wallet, everything that. in my locker.
2: Yeah. JR tells the ball where to take
3: my car key and go out there and do it. Right. So I get out to my car. <laughs> I hit the unlock button, and it don't click. Uh, it's already unlocked. Uh, <laughs> I, but maybe I didn't lock my car. Right. I open the door, and the stuff just falls uh. off. I leave the door open.
2: Had that velour listen, ceiling.
3: Listen, I leave the door open on the car. Leave the door open. <laughs> take my suit jacket off. Mm. It's freezing outside. Take my suit jacket <laughs> off. Walk back in the locker room, put on some basketball shoes. Mm.
2: And was looking with for it.
3: my slacks and basketball shoes and like who did it? <laughs>
2: You were ready to go. Listen, what, who, who did Ready listen, to go. Listen,
3: I know y'all got cameras and stuff in the parking lot. <laughs> go bring the tape back, yeah, yeah. and I ain't going nowhere until you tell me who did it. I
2: thought you were going to kill what's-his-name, no, for doing listen, it. The, I told, the listen, ball
3: boy. Listen, I told, listen and, and that's what I told the ball boy. Hey, you're not allowed back in the building. <laughs> if I lay
0: eyes on you, I'm
2: going to yeah. hurt you. He, he tried to fire the ball boy. I am
0: Podcast. Coming on to the set of the two-man weave, a.k.a. Real chalk talk, a man who is so close to my heart and so close to the hearts of New Yorkers. He's—I I think it's like almost like you literally could get signed to the Knicks right now. No, no. I, I know, <laughs> I know, you might be a little bit out of shape and not game ready for this. We have the great Nick. Talk about a lunch pail player. Talk about a guy who represented New York. The good, the bad, and the crazy of New York Knicks fans, we have here on the two-man weave, John Starks. What's going on? Jay Starks. Yes, sir. (laughs) All right, John Starks, listen. I don't even know where to start here. First of all, it's so good to see you. As I said, I I I literally, like when I saw you, like I see you all the time in Knicks games, but there's a special situation going on in New York, Mm -hmm. okay? The Knicks are in uh, disarray right now, okay? You, I, I just want to talk about why John Starks will always get a standing ovation. Well, He's being in the nice garden. with
3: this array too. Uh, right, <laughs> that's, that's a nice a, term.
0: Yes, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something, John. You so represented what New York fans love about a player. You weren't the best. You were sometimes the craziest, but you played the hardest. And New York and the New York fans and Madison Square Garden will always stand up for a player like you and what you did for those teams. Sometimes you shot us into games. Hmm. Sometimes you shot us out, <laughs> <coughs> but you wore your heart on your sleeve. Yeah. And, and that's all that New Yorkers really want. What's going on with our Knicks, John, hmm? what, what? <laughs> what is going on with our Knicks? Um. Have you ever seen this much chaos? Like, have you, like when you walk down the streets of New York, obviously people are always happy to see you as the volume turned up a little bit when you're walking down sixth Avenue now,
1: no, it, it well, Kenya though, just playing in New York, the volume's always up, <laughs> as you know. Um, yeah, they're, they're struggling right now. They're, they're going through some tough times. Uh, you know, you kind of scratch your head uh, just because of the talent level that's on the team. Yeah, you know. I think um, um, just looking at the East and, and looking at our talent level, you know, we should be obviously be a lot better than what, what the records show. I think we are a lot better than what the records show. But they, they have time, you know, which is a slim time, but they, had, they have time to really push for that A spot, uh, I think, right. uh, coming down the stretch right now.
0: All right, we're in New Orleans. We're at All-Star Weekend. What is an All-Star Weekend? What does, you know, uh, being an All-Star mean to you, John? I mean, mm-hmm. your, your story is well-documented. Give, give me the real. Like, you, before you actually made it consistently with the NBA, where were you at as a basketball player?
1: Where was I? That is basketball player.
0: Uh, I mean, because like you like you were you were working. At, I mean, were you actually working at a grocery store before? Because that's like I don't know if that's true. Not, is that a figment? Of, I, is that a fairy no, tale? No,
1: it's not a fairy tale. It's no, a I, 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 it's a true story. <laughs> I, I, I was actually uh, in between uh, colleges. Right. <laughs> Let's say to say that. Um, but you know, I was working at a grocery store while I was in between uh, a break from school. Right. And. Um, you know, packing groceries and trying to make a living. You know, right. at that particular time, and before I decided to get back in school, and uh, that's when kind of things uh, turned for the good for me. So right. was,
3: um So, was it ever in question of, of you going back to school?
1: Yeah, my, my, actually, my older brother he he really pushed me to get back in school. Yeah. You know, because I was in the parks, you know, playing basketball, but I, was, you know, just dominating people yeah. and. And he saw a little bit more probably than what I saw in myself. Mm. And, and so he told me that, you know, you're not going to just do this for the rest of your life. You know, you need to go go back to school and um, get an education first and foremost. And then basketball just kind of, you know, took a life of its own when I, when I got back. Yeah.
0: Making it into league as an undrafted guy, making the all-star game, being such a, I mean, such a, I mean, you meant so much to the fans. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 the Jordan, the Reggie Miller, the the, the battles that the, 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 those Knicks teams had. Mm-hmm. When you look back, what, what do you think it was about those teams? Because, you know, when, when those teams were going on, they referred to the old Knicks, the 70-73 teams. Mm-hmm. And now, I hate to say it, uh, uh, John... You guys, in my opinion, are the old Knicks, and the debusher willis Reed guys are the older Knicks. <laughs> and it, it hurts my heart yeah. that, like, you know, the glory days were almost 20 years ago. But when, when you think about that team, mm-hmm. and, and what do you think resonated with the fans so much? What was so special about that I, I, team?
1: I, I think that, you know, we represented New York and the way we played, the hard-nosed, scrabble style of basketball that, you know, you see in the parks. Right. And uh, I think that's what the team represented. You know, we was blood and guts every time we step out on the court. And the league was a little different back then. Kenyon played back then where you can grab and hold and and do certain things out there on the court that you couldn't get away with today's basketball. And I think the fans appreciated that physical style of play uh, because it brought out the best in, you know, each team and each player. And uh, it made for a lot of confrontations out there. You know, a lot of fights. Right. That's my next question. <laughs> yeah, a lot of fights went on during that time. You know, I, I can remember a time coming back in the league, and and when I came in the league, you literally had to fight your way to get respect. You know, and things wasn't given to you. Right. And so, and. Uh, you know, it made it hard for you, just like stepping on the yard. You know? you know, in order for you to get your respect, you don't have to, you don't have to throw them up. Right. And, and that's just the way the league was back then. You know, you had the older guys coming at you on your team, and you had, you know, veteran guys in the league that didn't respect you at the time, and, and you had to get your respect. Yeah. And that's just the way it was. So what you think about, like, the freedom of
3: movement and all this stuff that yeah. they play with now? Like, <laughs> like a guy like Steph? Curry, clearly talented. Yeah. With, with yourself, more than likely you would have been able to been your matchup. Oh, for sure. You know, Yeah. what would you have done?
1: Oh, I definitely.
3: What would you have done? Like, I, I was having this conversation yeah. last night at dinner. Yeah. I was telling people, like, you probably wouldn't try to make him his Achilles or nothing <laughs> like that. You ain't trying to hurt yeah. him permanently, but what would you have done
1: now? Oh, oh, definitely. No. Back then, you know, you, you get physical. I mean, it was a physical game back then, and you knew as a guard, and you knew when you came down the lane you was going to get hit and you was going to get put on your back. And the referees back then would tell you just get up and go to the line. You know, mm. they didn't – you know, they wasn't going to a lot of tape or anything to look yeah. at it. It was just a common foul. But the game is a little different now. You know what I mean? With a guy like Steph, you had to put your hands on him. If you couldn't put your hands on him, he's going to do what he's doing now. You know, right. I would love to play during this time where guys can put – Put their hands on me. I, I, it would have been fun. It would have been a lot of fun.
0: Your your matchups with Reggie and Michael Jordan are are uh, legendary. They've actually made actual films. <laughs> the ESPN Thirty for Thirty uh, winning time. You know, focused on you and Reggie. The beauty of John Starks is you brought out the best in them. Mm-hmm. They knew when they came to New York and you were going to be on them every play. You were going to be on him. You were going to be fouling him. You were going to be agitating him. And if push came to shove, you'd be headbutting them. him. <laughs> okay, excluding Michael Jordan and Reggie Miller, who were the other guys that you would say these guys were, like, hard to guard?
1: Well, bigger guards always gave me problems because I was only 6'2", about 180 pounds, 185. So guys like Mitch Richmond, mm. Clyde, Clyde, gave me a lot of problems. You know, Clyde, 6'8", probably 220, 230. And so those guys, bigger guards, always gave me problems. Guys like Steve Smith uh, always gave me problems because of their height. And, and a lot of them, times they would take me down in the post. So mm. what I did, I tried to be as physical as possible and front them as much as possible and rely on my backside help. Right. Yeah.
0: Now, I got to ask you, and you could articulate it as much or as little as you want. The Oakley thing has been so nuts – it was so crazy. First of all, were you at the game? No, I wasn't. Oh God! Yeah. Thank God you weren't there. Yeah, because because your 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 old instincts might have kicked in. It, it could have turned into a whole uh, war. I wouldn't. The <laughs> <laughs> <Been> old. <laughs>
1: No, I, I actually work for the, for the Knicks, so right. obviously, Mike, you know I can't talk about that situation. All right, yeah.
0: all right. Well, okay. I, you know, I mean, it's been, it, I'm glad it's resolved yeah. for right now and, and because as a Knicks fan, you know, it, it was, there was so much irony and so much metaphor, and, and, like, after all the chaos of it happened, like, me and my heart, like, I felt sad. I was just like, I felt sad for Oak. I felt sad for the Knicks. I felt sad for the fans. Like, it was just such a, like, where are we at? Yeah. You know, h- h- how did we get here? Listen, John, I, I, I got to tell you again, and I know I'm speaking on all, all fans of basketball, especially fans of the Knicks, what you did, the way you did it at the time you did it will never be forgotten. It will always be appreciated. The Garden, Knicks fans will always stand up for you. you. You were and still are represent the heart of New York. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about the bougie Soho or hipster Brooklyn. I'm talking about the working lunch pail people of New York City. What you did will will never be forgotten. I personally appreciate it so much. And and like I said, now with all the craziness, it means so much even more. Thank you for coming on the Two Man Weave. My man Kenyon Martin. And and good luck on everything you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back. The Two Man Weave. My name is Michael Rapport. Kenyon Martin, we'll be right back from live from the streets of New Orleans NBA All Star Week in 2017. I am
5: Rappaport podcast.
0: Detlef Shrimp yeah! is here. Seattle with, in the house. Yes, yes. Yeah.
3: I represent.
0: It's a pleasure to meet you. Thanks this for having is, me, sir. Oh, come on, man. Listen. Now the two-man weave has become a three-man weave. Definitely. I'm running point, and I feel very confident about my two wing guys. You got
5: to shoot an athlete. Yes, we're
0: ready to go. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Detlef. Thanks for having me. How you doing, my man? I'm doing pretty good. It's not raining. It's beautiful out there. Yes. So, yeah. it, it was raining gumbo yesterday. I never saw that in my life. I heard of cats and dogs.
3: <laughs> it was raining gumbo and crawfish.
0: Yeah, and, and beignets. <laughs> beignets. With lots of sugar. Detlef shrimp. Now, I, I've been trying to say your name since I'm 15. Is it shrimp? I know I know people that, have said it worse. That's pretty good. Shrimp.
5: Yeah, that's pretty good. I usually, I hear a lot worse. Yeah. I, get, I get the, uh, what's your name? Detlef Douglas. I go, Det Dick. No, that Ted, so just whatever. Just, yeah, whatever. Make, whatever. If you
0: go to Starbucks, you're just like, yeah, just whatever. Just give me the, just just make sure you put two two shots of uh, espresso in there. Two-time six-man of the year, three-time All-Star. You came from a ridiculous draft class in 1985. Xavier McDaniel, Chris Mullen, then you, then a gentleman who has been discussed often in the last week and a half. But always close to my heart, Charles Oakley, Carl Malone, Joe Dumars, A.C. Green, et cetera, et cetera. The great Patrick Ewing. That's a hell of a class. That's, that's a draft class.
5: Yeah, yeah. A lot of guys played for 15-plus years. and yeah, that's rare. To, yeah. That's rare in a draft.
0: I mean, yeah. that's something to be proud of.
5: Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, we, uh, we had a pretty good culture back then, guys, uh, guys playing and enjoying it and competing.
0: Did you ever imagine, as being one of the first successful, you know, really sort of standout guys from overseas? Now it's not just Europe. It's there's guys in the league from countries I didn't even know exist. (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, uh, did you ever imagine that the NBA would be so multicultural and, and, and so worldwide legitimately? I mean, there's legitimate guys on so many teams from all over the place. Spain. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. Brazil. Did you ever imagine that?
5: Not when I first started, but, uh, you know, <clears throat> the process of my career at the end of my career, a lot of more guys were coming over. And um, at the beginning, guys said it didn't make sense, right? Because they're making good money in Italy and Spain and Greece back then. Uh, Germany didn't really have a professional league, so uh, there was no reason for them to come over um, because there were stars back home making good money. um, And the first two or three that came over struggled. So, you know, when you have guys that are superstars internationally and came over and struggled here, uh, the younger generation was afraid of that. But but once guys had success, uh, more and more started giving it a try, and now we have a pretty much international league.
0: Yeah, I I think it's great. I mean, I never would have thought it because there was such a stigma on guys, you know, they're soft, they're not playing, you know, and then guys would break through. But there'd be, like, for every one guy, there was the draft pick that the Knicks picked, the guy from France who never showed up. Yeah, yeah I can't even remember his name. And you know what? I don't care if I did know his name. I'm not going to say it because I don't know where he is. He's been MIA, MIA since we drafted him. So I, I think it's, it's really good that, you know, the, the league has been so so multicultural. NBA All-Star Weekend, what is your first memory of being uh, an NBA All-Star. When was your first trip to any NBA All-Star game?
5: Um, I played for the East, um, and I remember that my guy was not guarding me, and MJ wouldn't pass me the rock, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was the rookie. I was like, I, I was wide open. I would never get the ball. <laughs> They're going, right? They go, rookie. Go get it off the glass. It. Yeah, exactly. Try <laughs> to tip it in, right? Go get it off the and, glass. And uh, that was basically, uh, back then, it was, uh, you know, the guys were all playing. away. You know, like, Rookie's not gonna get the ball. Yeah. You know, it'll tell you. So it was—it was a different culture, and it was very competitive. Um, and you know, you didn't really talk to guys from other teams. I ah, mean, uh, and oh, so yeah. they were—you know—they were. There was a lot of hatred going on.
0: Yeah. You mean while, even though you're on the East or yeah, the West I mean, All Stars,
5: guys stuck with their guys. Man, right? yeah. like if he
3: had a teammate there, that's who he was there with. Or he went to them, yeah. yeah. It wasn't all this buddy buddy, and we gonna hug it out, and then go out and play, mm-hmm. and we are gonna be at the All Star game. We all. We, have, we can have the same agent but we're not having the same event like that's it's this is like he's this is a new generation like wow this is de- on and off the court it is a new generation in the way these kids are being raised to go out to compete right for their livelihood like like this is a job we are here to compete right like I shouldn't like I can be your friend but you got to cut it off at a certain point and that's what mm-hmm. he, that's the point you know like
0: did you did you did you remember uh, uh, Detlef when he was playing for Dallas?
3: Yeah, I'm, I grew up like I said. I'm, I'm born. I wasn't born in Dallas, but I'm watching he, him. He's school, a lot right.
5: younger than me now. Yeah, high, no, yeah. I know. No, but I was
3: I, I was watching basketball, man. I was I was in tune. Um Didn't get a whole lot of like national games because we didn't have cable. So that's right. You know i so right. Hey, we're watching local. T- hey, we're watching the guys local. You know, so I, I watched a lot of Dallas Mavericks basketball games growing up.
0: You you made the all-star team with a couple of different teams. One of the most iconic teams, I think, of the last 20, 25 years is your Seattle Supersonics team. Gary Payton uh, and then Sean Kemp, who uh, I actually was at uh, basketball camp with, with Rex Chapman. He was uh, a little better than me. Okay, things went I took a different path that left, that's all I'm telling you. Good choice. Okay. Good choice. That's this is what I'm gonna <laughs> tell you. What do you remember about that team? You guys came so close. I mean you you know you there was so much so much hope with with the Seattle Supersonics. George Carl, you, you and you and Nick, can can you Martin share this in common? What, what's the thing that you think about that team? And where is Sean Kemp? And can you tell him to text me? That was my dude, man. <laughs> Talk to Sean. me about that Sonics team.
5: Sean is uh, he's living out outside Seattle. He's doing well. Good. Him, uh, you know, him and his wife, and um, still got a couple kids at home. He's doing well. Um, his son
3: is athletic. His son is um, like 16, the same age as yeah. my son. They played against each other. Yeah.
5: Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. His yeah.
0: son yeah. could play ball too, huh? Yeah.
5: Jump too athletic. Yeah, yeah. He is. It's good. I mean, thinking back those days in the 90s. Um, first of all. It was never quiet. We had GP. (laughs) But uh, it it was crazy. I mean, we had a crazy team, uh, different personalities from the coach on down. You know, there was a lot of craziness. But we were a veteran team, Um, so we played hard. I I was telling somebody earlier that our practices were harder than most of our games. Really? Because guys went at it, you know, and talked stuff and and all those things. And uh, it was fun because we knew we had a chance to win every night. You know, you step on the court and you think you're going to win. That's how you played. Right? Uh, yeah, we had a couple disappointments early, but you know, we we made a good run at it. It's just uh, I, I love getting on the basketball court when you know you have a chance to win every night. And that's what it was.
0: How much of a disappointment was it for you? Because me as a basketball fan, I have no stake in Seattle. I have no stake in C- you know the Seattle SuperSonics. I was a fan, you know. Uh, but for me, and I don't understand the business of basketball, but for you being somebody that meant so much to the city, and Seattle had great fans. And, and, and such competitive teams, going back to to, to, to the the Gus williams days yeah how how, how, much a, how much was it was it was a heartbreak for Seattle to lose basketball
5: i don 't think people realized until they were gone, you know because the last couple of years i mean Duran had just come um, they were they weren 't very good, mm-hmm. right, so the politicians were arguing well we don 't really need the Sonics, you know we got the seahawks the mariners and um but once they were gone it was like uh, this void there and uh you know i, I always said i was telling people that before i said you know you're gonna miss it because even if you don't go to a lot of games you won't be able to take your son to watch the best players in the world play right you know you're not going to drive down to portland because you don't like portland right you know they're, we're not fans of the blazers right I mean, they're just natural yeah and so you your kids will grow up without going to games right and, um, and to me, that's a sad part, you know, because we have a great culture. I mean, we did a, an awareness thing a couple years ago where Chris Hansen stepped up. He, you know, spent $100 million in property downtown to build an arena. Mm. And uh, we had 40,000 people sign up for season tickets mm-hmm. right? and going, okay, you know, David Stern, we're ready. Were, were ready. you
0: be Were you a part of it?
5: Um, I helped just promote and right, do right, stuff. No, but I my checkbook is not big enough. No, to, but I'm saying in, ter- <laughs> in terms of like
0: getting it back there because I think I think it's, oh, yeah. I think it's oh, a shame, you know, when these yeah, teams, just, in, yeah. in in all big sports like the, the the San Diego Chargers. I don't care that they play in a dump Qualcomm. I was there this year. I, I had to bring my own seat. to place <laughs> full, but the, the fans love it, yeah. you know. And I and like when when these are big sports the fans don't understand why where are you going. You know, like it. it you know, OKC is now has their basketball team, but it's like the Seattle Superstars, I'm looking at this picture of GP. I'm like, this is part of the NBA, the fabric of the NBA. Listen, granted, your uniforms were suspect. The green and yellow never made sense to me, but that doesn't mean you guys weren't competitive. I don't want to start a fight here. I'm just talking the truth here, and I'm and I'm colorblind, dead left. But those uniforms were questionable at best. Now, now, what are you doing down here in New Orleans for this All Star Game?
5: Um, you know the typical stuff um, did the NBA cares yesterday we went and visited some schools, helped rebuild some playgrounds uh, visited classrooms for some of the schools that were affected by the tornado mm. um, and you know and then some interviews um, and seeing talking to some of the sponsors and, mm-hmm. and you know, really catching up with guys that I, you know typically see once a year if they 're coming yeah. from all over the country we go have a beer together and and you know GP would not have a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think? And, yeah, and talk about uh, all kinds of stuff. So it's yeah. it's it's fun. It's a good time to catch up.
0: What was Gary Payton like as a teammate, as a point guard? You said talking. Um, I, 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 he's not even in the building, and I could still hear echoes of his voice from yesterday. He doesn't shut up. Fantastic player. What was what made him so good?
5: Oh, he, he competed. I mean, he competed every day. We fought almost every day because, you know, I would get mad at him because he didn't want to practice or he didn't want to stick around for shooting, you know. And I said, dude, you just missed seven free throws. Go shoot some free throws. And he goes, I don't need that, you know. So we fought every day. But as soon as the ball went up, you know, he competed every day. He, he, you know, back then he, he played with sprained ankles, dislocated fingers, you know, everything. He wanted to compete every day. Yeah. And there was nothing but respect for that.
0: Now, Kenyon's talked about it. And I know it's easy to say, whether it's music wise we were just talking about hip hop, you know we could say the good old days this, the good old days that you you're you're, you're you you you- you stopped playing when Kenyon was coming into the league in all honesty, from what you guys see now, both of you I want to hear both your opinions. you know the do you feel like the league has changed is it "Quote unquote softer." You talked about being on the the All Star team, and you know it wasn't hunky dory. You didn't work on any handshakes with Michael Jordan. You guys didn't do any like you didn't work any choreographed handshakes. I got no rhythm, dude. Come Nothing. On. <laughs> you got something, but but do you see the league changing? Is it for the good? Is it for the the worse? Or is it a little bit in between?
5: I mean, you know. Life changes. Uh, everything evolves, and the game has changed over the years. We played differently than, you know, Oscar Robinson did. Right. And, you know, I mean, you look at films. The game always changes. To me, it's. Uh, I love basketball. Right. You know, it, that's, that was my first love. I still, if I could play, I'd play every day, right? The body just can't do it. So you kind of go, uh, I go with it. I mean, they're, they're great athletes, great players. It's just a different game.
0: How so is it different? Like, what, when you say it's a different game, what do you mean?
5: Well, how many centers made the All-Star game? Right, Marcus Sol is the only really seven-footer. Okay, you can argue Andrew you know, Jordan. I mean, he, he's a, a, a center, but he plays more like a a running wingman, yeah. like you yeah. did, right? Yeah. Run and jump and dunk and, yeah, and shoot. Yeah, right. And so there, it's it's a different game. It's penetration, kick, and three pointers. Mm-hmm. I and mean, when you look at the, how many shots are taken every year, the percentages of three pointers, it's gone way
0: up. And, and can you? What do you? Oh, think? it's soft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just call it
3: like it is. It's soft, man.
5: Like it's. Or
0: you can't hit anybody. Yeah, they
3: started this thing a few years ago. They put this 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 freedom of movement thing. They call it.
0: And what what is that? Like, so no, you fe- can't put your hands on. Yeah,
3: in the in the post on the perimeter, like they want guys just to be able to run around freely and catch the ball and do do do, and not be touched. Right. And anything results in a foul. Right. So it's freedom of movement thing. They just want to. They call it free flowing basketball.
0: Was that an adjustment for you? I never
3: adjusted. Okay.
0: I but you have to just, sneak it. But It's like you can't yeah, do nah, it all the time, right? Yeah, no,
3: nah, I'm not, I'm not going to compromise the way I play the game. Right. Because I was taught how to play basketball the right way. Right. You know, like, I'm not going to compromise that, not at all, just because y'all are changing the rules and all that. Like, I'm, I'm going to continue to play hard. I'm going to continue to hard foul you if, if need be. I'm not going to try to hurt you, but I'm going to give you a hard foul. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not with the freedom of movement thing you cut through the paint. I'm gonna chuck you. I got you. That's that's just the way I was taught how to play. Like you and you on a pick and roll the guy rolling blind down the paint. I'm gonna stand you up. Right. Like this is the stuff like that. Deadlift was speaking of, like I'm gonna stand you up every time. Right. And like we played the the Celtics in the playoffs um, when I was with the Knicks, and they I got a foul every game on the same play. Uh huh. They run and play KG dive. I stand him up. I stand it. But it wasn't, like, I was just in his way. But I didn't let him get to where he wanted to get to, so they called a foul. So right. by game three, actually game four, I'm like, you know what, watch this. I'm going to show you what a foul is. He rolled blind down there, and I laid him out. <clears throat> and you hear him. <gasps> uh-huh. I hit him right in his sternum. Now, looked at the ref. Now, that's a foul. Right,
0: call
1: that. You
3: know like, me. That's, that's me. Like, I'm not going to compromise the way I play basketball because this y'all babying these people and playing soft. Like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm a straightforward guy. I don't know how to flop. I told the ref reason how guys work on jump shots and free throws and stuff during the summer. I told the ref one day, you know what? I'm going to work on flopping this summer. <laughs> Maybe I'll get some calls.
0: Add that, you that to your repertoire. Add
3: that to my repertoire. Get that LeBron James. LeBron Blames in my game. LeBron. You know
0: did you say Blames or James?
3: I think I said Blames.
0: We keep making the mistake. Making I think m- the, the microphone is... is by, by He's sometimes, wearing off on me. He's sometimes wearing it's off on LeBron, me. LeBron, LeBron, I try to say LeBron James, but then sometimes people say you said LeBron Blames. Detlef, you were playing <laughs> in an era of basketball that was is so revered. As the good old days. Who were the guys that you had to guard? Three guys that you were like, I need to tighten my my, 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 my bootstraps a little bit. T- Get a I mean. Good
5: night's sleep, good meal. Shit, every night. I every mean, night. I, I played two, three, four. So I, I, I went from Jordan to Dominique who who's gonna shoot 30 times.
3: What about this guy over here? Oh, Rexy. <laughs> oh, my Sexy God.
5: Sexy Rexy. Uh, I had to guard him and the players one year. They played small ball, he played the three. He's running off like three screens and shooting fadeaway threes, man. One I, foot fadeaways. Oh, yeah. And yes. I'm like, I'm going, dude, man, I'm 230. I'm, I'm, I'm fighting over screens. And then on the other side, I go, come on, post me yeah. up. And they're not throwing it down there.
3: <laughs> and they're not
5: throwing it down there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> give me, give me, give me you, your best memory. You're 95 years old. Your kids say, dad, grandkids, great, great grandkids say, dad, what was it like playing Michael Jordan? What do you say to them? Man, it was
5: fun. It was fun playing the Garden, Chicago Stadium, you know, all those, uh, Madison Square Garden. Um, it was just, it was a great time to play. And it was, it was you know, it was on every time. I mean, Jordan, uh, the Bulls were great and we lost to them. But, um, you know, we, we had some success against them. It was just a great time to play basketball um, when the NBA was just taking off. Right. Because when I came in the league, you know, it was uh, Magic and Bird has just kind of taken over, and the, the league just started picking up. Right. And salary started to, you know, creep up, and the game all of a sudden started going on TV. When I was in college, there was one game on TV. I think right. it was like Sunday afternoon game or right. something, right? And then all of a sudden— Dick Stockton. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, Friday afternoon, TNT, Sundays, Saturdays, and, you know, that's how it, the game evolved. So it was a, it was a great time to play.
0: Well listen, Detlef, I, I've honestly you're, you're part of my, my, my youth. My you know, uh you know, when you came into the league, I still had hoop dreams. Um I loved watching you play, I loved thank watching you. you compete. You know, you really brought the you know the European flavor into the league and, and, and you made a name for yourself outside of that. The Detlef Shrimp Foundation, can you tell me about that real quick?
5: Well we're in our twenty fourth year, we wow. raised about twenty million dollars and we uh, thank you. It's been yeah we we are fortunate. Seattle is a very generous community. They are still very fond of what we did in the nineties, so mm-hmm. we still have a lot of support. Uh, but we just raise uh, money and do events for uh, and raise money basically for children in need. So okay. for, we work with probably about a hundred different charities over the years. And okay, bring their kids in, uh, raise some money, distribute the funds, and
0: have them you know do their summer programs, after school programs, whatever the need is. All right, listen, I would love to have a full three-man weave with Kenny Moore and detlef shrimp don't drop the ball no no i won't listen just just get open i'll give you the ball <laughs> it was drop the ball we're about dropping the ball if you're not seeing me if you're not seeing my work youtube it detlef
5: i've seen it Just youtube
0: it. But don't worry i was known as a crisp passer all right you just get open
3: <laughs> two hand chest
0: please. yeah two hand chest and then i'll snap it at you and don't say oh that's a little too hard okay this isn't the 80s I'm throwing at the ball, tough. Don't catch the ball, make the shot, because I'm running back down court. Thank you so much for joining. Honestly, I'm, I've been a fan of yours uh, for Definitely. a while. Likewise. Uh, uh, Likewise. This, is, uh, this is the uh, two-man weave, deadlift Shrimp, Kenyon Martin. We're coming up with Eton Thomas, former Washington Wizard, Harlem born. Don't know if he was Harlem raised. We're going to get to the bottom of that. We're live in <laughs> New Orleans. This is the two-man weave on NBA on TuneIn. Welcome to Play It, a new
3: podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
0: Stay out of their lane. It's Two Man Weave with Michael Rappaport and Kenyon Martin.
4: Oh, did Martin get that? All the way back down, he tipped in the alley for set play out of a timeout.
0: That might be the dunk
4: in
5: that. Live from All-Star Weekend in New Orleans,
0: this is the two-man weave. My name is Michael Rappaport, Kenyon Martin, coming live and direct from New Orleans, talking greasy in the Big Easy. Got special guest, Eton Thomas. How are you,
4: man? I'm good, I'm good. Yo, I'm loving that shirt you're wearing. I gotta tell you, I'm loving that shirt you're wearing. Look, I was coming out my, my hotel, right? I ran into Oakley. Out here? Right out here yesterday.
0: Was it different than seeing Oakley all the other times you've seen him in your, in your life, in your career?
4: Well, no, nah, because I, I, I played with him with the, with the Wizards for a year. Okay. Right? So I've been talking about him and talking about how messed up I think the whole thing with James Olin is and everything like that. And, you know, he gave me a hug, gave me a pound, said thank you for the support and everything. We chopped it up for a little while, but that's my man. And yeah. it was messed up.
0: Yeah, you well, know I mean, what, speak on it. What it's do you a good think? Guy.
4: Listen, let me tell you this, though. First of all, you don't treat a player like Charles Oakley like that. Right. You don't treat any player like that, not especially right. not Charles Oakley. Not Charles right. Oakley is New York. Right. You know what I mean? I grew up a Knicks fan. Right. Like you said, I was, I was born in Harlem. I wasn't raised there. I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but I was born in Harlem. Grew up a Knicks fan. Seeing him sweat blood and tears for the team. Yeah. Right? So his crime was talking bad about the organization or talking about something that they could have done better. Everybody does that. Yep. You know what I mean. So, 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 Dolan is gonna say, "Okay, I don't want you talking about the organization so much. You can never come to the to the Garden again." Yeah. And then the way you treat him like that, like he's like, I mean, and the, the worst part was the demonizing of him afterwards. Right. You know? I saying agree. that, saying Definitely. that, oh, he. I hope he gets the help he needs. Throwing out things about alcoholism, he's got anger yeah. issues and all this yeah. stuff. I mean, that that was just evil. Yeah. Was just, I know you agree with me, but that's absolutely. That, I it mean, was messed up to see.
0: Sick. Absolutely, are right, you? You and Kenyon were in the same draft class, right? NBA, you're from. Harlem. What hospital? Right. You were born in Harlem? Born in Harlem. Do you right. think your life would have taken a different turn had you've been raised in Harlem? There's that like like, well, like Oklahoma. no disrespect to Oklahoma. Right. I don't know what kind of flavor they got out there. You don't know. Well
4: let me tell you though, in Oklahoma, Oklahoma was tough. I mean, we we had we had we had infiltration of Crips and Bloods that came in from LA. They set up shop. It was, you know, I got a whole lot of homeboys that I grew up with that, you know, neighborhood crips, main street crips, you know, didn't make it to the NBA. I can name 20 guys that you ain't never heard of that should have been in the NBA way before me out of Tulsa, Oklahoma.
0: So they were wildin down there.
3: They was wildin. Like yeah. drive-bys on horses. No, no,
4: nah, 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 that ain't what it is. That ain't what it is. you know it's not like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, but I spent my summers in Harlem. Okay, okay. You know what cool. I mean? So, you know, I was in, the, in the in the in the park playing stuff like that. So much respect. Always, always got love for him. Okay. On the, sitting on the he horse turned, so, <laughs> I,
0: okay. He was like, man, banging in Little Rock. That HBL. It was real. That, that was nuts. It, Little, Rock, that was Little real. Rock is like an hour from Tulsa.
3: So definitely, it was so real. So when I tell you, it was nah, real. Nah, it was it real. Was nah, real. Nah, nah, nah. I'm, saying, I'm from Dallas. <laughs> I'm right down the road. Oh, you know, you from, know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah you know what you it, know, it is. No, nah, it, nah, it's real. Man. I never <laughs> understood it. Yeah, I never understood it. No, it's real in the field. It should
0: have been like fishing in Little Rock. No, not
3: at all. They banging in Little Rock, daddy. Yeah. They getting it in.
0: All right, Etan, what have you been up to? You've been writing. Yeah. You've been very outspoken about certain things. You you, you you wrote a great piece for the Players' Tribune. Right. Why, how, what?
4: I wrote a piece about Terrence Crutcher after the murder of Terrence Crutcher. Yep. I, I went to school with his sister in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So okay. it, it hit really close to home for me. You know what I mean? So, you know, right now I'm down here. I'm writing a book. Um, called We Matter, um, Athletes and Activism. So I I just interviewed Oscar Robertson. It was a great interview. Um, So that's what I'm doing a lot now, you know, doing things like that, Nate. And there's a lot to speak out on, you know. So I do panel discussions. I did a panel discussion at Dillard University um, Thursday night. So let's, you know, keep myself busy a little bit.
0: What what, what do you think that is about athletes and activism doing too little? Um, Some guys want to speak out. Some guys don't want to be involved. Some guys care. Some guys don't care. The, the thing that I see as a fan uh, uh, of sports in general is I feel like guys, whether it's Kaepernick, you know, I feel like LeBron, you know, uh, one of the things that and I always break his chops, but one of the things that I admire and I respect about him is that being such a polarizing star, being a transcendent star, he has tried. You know, at times to speak out. And, 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 and what, what, what is the thing, like, how do you not go too far? Because I think of one of the reasons why guys don't speak out is like, my endorsements, am I going to get fired? You know, can I take a knee? Well, what is your opinion on that being a, a former NBA player?
4: I mean, right now it's a beautiful time because guys are speaking out in a way that they haven't in a long time. You know what I mean? I mean, you're hearing Carmelo who's speaking out about different things. Spoke out about the Freddie Freddie Gray situation, and you know, after the you know Trayvon Martin was murdered, you know, what I mean? you had the whole team, the entire team, the whole Miami Heat wore the hoodies mm-hmm. and posed for it. That was like an iconic picture. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean? after after the um, Eric Garner was murdered, yep. they all wore the I Can't Breathe around the league. Mm-hmm. The whole Lakers did, even Kobe. Mm-hmm. Kobe wore I Can't Breathe shirt. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's like there's a whole new new generation of athletes that aren't really afraid. So even talking about like what I talked about before with the Oakley situation, right? You had LeBron come out, right? you had D-Wade come out, say it wasn't right. All these different players who are the main polarizing players say, no, no, no. This guy might be in his position to be the owner of of an NBA team, the owner of the Knicks, but what he did was not right, and I'm going to talk about it.
0: You know, for me as an actor, you know, like actors right now, because obviously now with social media, you know, award shows, everybody can articulate their opinion, and I think that's great. And I think, you know, whether you agree with it or not, you know, actors, like, the thing is, shut up, you're just a dumb actor. You know, athletes, I think Ali being, you know, the, 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 at the top of it, but with the Jim Brown and a lot of, you know, Bill Russell and Oscar right. and those guys, you know, have always sort of, like, their voices is wanted. And and, and heard, you know, and and Jordan took a lot of flack because he never said anything about anything. He was just being Jordan. And some dudes just like, yo, I have feelings, but this is just not my agenda. Obviously, that was a different time. Do you think guys get nervous? to say things. Do you think guys get, you know, scared to, to to participate? And what do you think athletes can do by being vocal and being on the front lines with their voices and their opinions, especially with all the stuff that's going on in the world right this minute in 2017? When athletes are vocal, when Kaepernick was vocal,
4: and he started talking about everything that was going on, he started talking about politics, he started talking about the killings by the police, and everything is mass incarceration. He started saying those words. He brought a conversation to, to people who didn't want to have that conversation, mm-hmm. who felt uncomfortable um, having that conversation. He they, he invaded their sacred football that they wanted to have just apolitical. Mm-hmm. When the WNBA, right, after everything that happened, as an entire league, they started wearing Black Lives Matter shirts. They, they, and, and it, it was so gangster. Like, I had to get in props on what they did. Yeah, they went to the media, right, after their right. games, they said, We're not talking about nothing. Except for what what is going on in society right now. They told you talking about Alton Sterling's murder, Flanner Castile's murder, and Black Lives Matter, and that's what we're talking about. We're answering a little bit of your questions. We won, we didn't do this, this, then this is all we're answering. As a league they did that.
0: That was dope. Was what, <laughs> was what is your take on it Kenya cuz you grew up hard, you yeah, know, yeah. and it's like you 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 know you you understand I think both sides because when you get the kind of success you get as an NBA player, how you grew up, what you grew up around, what you were exposed to doesn't change. Yeah. What what is your feelings about uh you know athletes speaking out? You know, yeah, and again, I think, I think it's changed since you left the league.
3: Yeah, I think some guys try to protect their brand, mm-hmm. you know, and not and not say anything. They they afraid of the backlash or or what might be said of of the uh of their statements Mm -hmm. Um, some people some athletes give vague statements right they go out there and just to get the people like i said something Mm -hmm. and you have other people that's actually boots on the ground right like actually doing the work and being a part of the problem Mm -hmm. i mean i'm the solution and not the problem like kaepernick like this is what i'm going to do no matter what comes with that i'm going to stick by my guns. Mm -hmm. i'm gonna stick on my guns, and this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna take a knee every game and and other people follow suit. Right. Other people see like, you know what? He does have a point. Right. Why did, Why is he the only one doing it? Yep. I got his back, you know, and it's and it's different for everyone, you know. Um, like somebody, like like it's 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 people's things that they like you say they grew up around they are not going to change, and things like we're in position now to be able to help and be able to speak out, and Etan's doing an excellent job of getting the message out there that that needs to be said. Right. You know? Things need to be talked about, need to be addressed, and there's no bigger platform than we have now with all the social media outlets yeah. that, um, that we have, man. And and like, but to each his own. To each his own. Some guys, that, like I said, they don't want to get involved with it, but I, I honestly think more guys should. LeBron James of the world, or the, the the Tom Brady's of the, like right. guys who people actually pay attention to. Right. You know, whether you agree or disagree, have a panel. Right. Sit down, have open discussion. That's I think only, it's important. Yeah, have open discussion. And we you can all have open- come from different things. We all have different views. We all not going to agree. That's that's just that's life. Right. But be able to sit down and talk and have that dialogue back and forth and and get it out there. Yeah. If you get it out there, like like you said, Kaepernick got it out there. Yep. And people follow suit. So just getting the issues out there, talking about them, discussing them, and might not be able to move past every issue but you get it out there you get understanding on what's acceptable what's not acceptable and and things can work out things can work out we can coexist man
0: this is the two-man weave now it's a three-man weave michael Rappaport, Eton thomas kenyon martin we got a big lineup here okay i'm not going to say uh you know we got any three-point shooters on this lineup here <laughs> but i got some big guys in the post i'm gonna throw it move the ball i'm the point guard of this Eton, are you enjoying the all-star weekend what is your take on on this because just just as a as a hodgepodge of people getting together right I think the game is fun it 's interesting, but the people watching is fantastic. We got pre Mardi Gras we got it's raining. Uh, crawfish and gumbo. <laughs> and we have NBA All-Star Weekend. Are you enjoying yourself? What are you seeing? What are you liking? What are you not liking about being down here in New Orleans for All-Star Weekend? Oh,
4: first of all, the people in New Orleans are great. I mean, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I live in D.C., so I'm walking down the street and everybody's like, you know, hey, how are you doing? You know, and I'm like, hey, I'm doing okay. And it throws you for a little bit. You know, people don't just speak for no reason. You know right, what I mean? Everybody, right everybody's so warm, everybody's all nice and you, you go to a restaurant, the waitress is checking on you like seven times, you know right. that, that doesn't really happen like mm-hmm. that, no you know, I know so you mean. I mean it's just, the, the people are so warm and Mardi Gras, you know, the, the, the energy and everybody's having a good time and it's just it's, it's a beautiful thing, it really is and the, what I like about All-Star Weekend is the networking that you can do, right. you know what I mean you're starting to see different people that you can work with and and, and, and move, move and join, you know what I mean, combine different things that you're trying to do and, and that's the beauty of All-Star Weekend, you know, we, we have a lot of networks that sometimes we don't take advantage of as Def- players definitely. you know what i mean so yeah. we, we see each other we no Especially question while we playing no question while we no playing. question so we start we start meeting each other and talking to each other a little bit more and seeing what each other is doing and and we connect
3: you really holding on the cards and using <coughs> things like that right because we have to you know
0: now now a lot of a lot of ex-players former players are, are showing up uh, uh signing on to ice cube's Big three league, three-on-three. Three. I've been asked to get on a few teams. I'm I'm, I'm waging my options,
2: okay?
0: I am. I'm just going to keep it honest. I feel you. I, I told you Time
3: constraints. You know, no, I'm just, like, I'm just yeah, saying. It it it's like, busy. you know, like,
0: you, the money makes sense. Maybe I'll play. Maybe I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I, got yeah, I
5: got you. Have you thought about this?
0: Yeah, Oakley's coming. We got yeah, AI. Right. Are, you guys, are, you, are you guys thinking guys thinking? What do you think of this? What, what you, oh. thinking of this? Like, I think it's fun yeah, for the um, fans. We're both I was, yeah,
3: he's he, yeah. he just signed on. I was the I think I was one of the first guys to say yes oh
0: you're playing I have my
3: own team
0: right so wait wait my whoa, team name's trilogy yeah, Time we, we're, both, out. we're both on hey can listen, my team you. name is trilogy hold up that's fantastic uh, why am i just finding out about this now <laughs> you know my agent exists I, I mean like
3: yeah uh, we, uh, we probably would have got to that we nah, just need but, to get uh, like, I know you listen, I know your body's <laughs> work. you know what I'm saying I understand your body at work wait, 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 wait. celebrity game MVP and all that I get it I get it I get it, I get it. but Listen, hey Mike. See, there's money on the line. Yeah, I
0: got and, it. I, and, got, I got five hard fouls. i, I will make listen, you
3: no, proud but, with uh, the uh, hard fouls. But, foul. but you can't foul out. That's the thing. You can't. foul out. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Not, not you in can. this league. Oh, you mean
0: you can't right. foul out? The league, right. you can't
3: foul out. See, the thing is, like, there's money on the line. Like, right. We were like, we're playing for like first through eighth place, right? And
0: I don't like where this listen, is going. You're my friend. Listen, listen. You're my friend. you are talking all of You're straightforward guy. Give it to me straight. You're
3: my friend. I'm, I'm, I'm about to get to this. you're my friend, right? But when it comes to this money, like.
0: This might not be the, yeah, not be the business opportunity not, process. Yeah, this
3: might not be because, listen, because there's a draft process that we're going to do. That's like, what I'm saying. So there's a draft. I'm like, available. There are going to be, I'm, like, we might lose friends because of this. Like, if a guy that I'm cool with is on the board and the eye test for me, I don't think you're in shape. Right. I'm going to skip over you. Cause there's a combine. There's a, listen, there's a hey. hey listen, so you playing so too. A, I'm playing. Hey, there can be a difference. Like it's first to eighth place, right? Right. First place gets a certain percentage of the, the total revenue. Right. Second place get, so it's slided down all the way to eighth.
0: So, uh, Rex Chapman, listen, I'm just saying, So it's just not. Saying. Listen, I'm not trying to come in eighth. I got you. I'm saying. Right. Not saying you're gonna make me come in eighth. I got you. But. A line has been drawn in the sand canyon. The <laughs> two-man weave, it's a two-man lead. With the, do you guys expect this league to be competitive?
3: I think it's going to be great. You so know? we need motivational speakers. Like, that I, like, I, got. I got. You got know, saying We there need we a go. pep talk before every game. I got you. Bring in, get us right. Get I'll it, get, you know what get people's get us heads in. right. Yeah, definitely. You know what I'm saying?
0: All right, Eton, it's a pleasure Trash to meet talking you. Talking is a-
3: is allowed in this, I got gotcha. you. Trash talking is allowed
0: now. If you want me to trash talk on behalf of your team and I'm not actually on the team and sharing percentage percentage, I, I, a brown paper bag filled up to the top might work for me. I am Podcast. It's Michael Raport We got a legend
3: in the house, man. We got a legend hey, in the house. Man, for Showtime Lakers, man. Hey,
0: AC they, Green,
3: first running team, man. They used to put that thing, hey, get it out and go, fun, make it happen. Fun basketball, definitely, man. Fun yeah. and defending. As well, not just playing one way. That's good basketball, man. I appreciate
0: it. How you feeling, AC? I'm
3: good. good, Mike.
0: Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. If you don't know who AC Green is, uh, I want to get a lot of listeners, but you should probably turn off the show. This is an actual legend. Came up in the 1985 draft, the same draft, Patrick Ewing, Xavier McDaniel, Chris Mullen, a gentleman named Charles Oakley who's been uh, discussed a lot lately. Carmelo, Detlef Shrimp, NBA All Star 1980, three time NBA champ with the Showtime Lakers, 88, 87, 2000. All right, AC, I don't even know where to start with you. We only have you here for a little bit of time. What was it like playing in the old Boston Garden? How intense were those games with the Showtime Lakers? No,
6: I mean, it it was pretty much what anyone can imagine because Boston was so good. You know, when you're playing a competitor, you know, you got to bring your game. You got to you can't bring your B game. It's always the A game. And then you had the crowd was an element. You know, the Boston fans were legit. You know, they they were 100 percent behind their team. So they came with everything they had. Uh, And it was always fun going to Boston because it was a real uh, disdain, dislike for the Lakers. You know, and they always wanted to make sure they established the fact that they are the best and dominant team and really city in their own in their own mind. Uh, and so it was really, really cool. And the, and the floor and the garden itself was, you know, you know, it was history. You go in and it's all the banners, it's like those college teams that walk into, you know, Poly Pavilion and you look up and you see the banners. Uh, it, it was, you know, overwhelming from you know when you first walk in there because you're like, dang. And uh, it it took some time to like get it right and get it you know hey you you gotta go and you once again you gotta step up and be ready to play.
0: Most volatile court yeah. to play in most volatile arena. The, Philly, those guys they're serious out there too. Where would you say is the most volatile in in, in those days?
6: Well, it it was definitely on the East Coast and then, yeah, I'll give Boston definitely some love on that area. Uh, Philly for give sure. Give them some love on their hate. You know, um,
3: Detroit. What you about know, the guy in Washington? that used to show up at the games, and um, he was a lawyer, I think. And he used to come down and help, like yeah, help yeah. the guys. And
6: <laughs> Can, you're not kidding, man. Uh, Robert Bicker, man. Yeah. He, he oh, was you remember, you remember oh, yeah.
3: trust, so, trust. So I heard stories. Um, Byron told me some stories. Um, Byron Scott told me a story. I guess um, when James got in trouble, yeah, whatnot. Yep. You guys thought he wasn't going to show up at the game, and he showed up late. He comes stomping down the steps, like I'm here, James. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so what do you, um the competitive advantages that, like, um, teams used to try to um, put you guys through, like, going to Boston, having it extremely hot in the locker rooms or in the arena? Like, what you think about Like, how was that?
0: Was that real? Were they really doing those little tricks? No, no, that,
6: that's 100%. That's, that's 100 right there. They were definitely, uh, being the, the Boston Celtics... It was any leverage, any edge you can create and you can get, it was, you know, it was real. So, yeah, hot water didn't work. Uh, uh, you know, I remember the first time stretching on the parquet floor, me, uh, we're, during our shoot around the day of the game. And I, I just do one of those leg overs where you just all of a sudden you lean over and you just get that little stretch with, you know, your right leg going over. And next thing you know, I'm like on top of a screw that, mm. that's coming out the floor and I'm and I like, because something obviously poked me and I'm like, what is that? And it literally was a screw on the parking floor. And I'm yeah. like, man. And so I told the guys and they're like, oh man, they got everything around. Trust me, this is like, this is, you won't believe what's going to happen. Fire alarm goes off pretty much every other time we went into Boston. We always stay at the same hotel and the fire alarm will go off. Never is going to go off at what, 8 o'clock in the morning, You know, noon, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. No, yeah. it's always like midnight at the earliest to four o'clock in the morning so it's the so same happen.
3: guy that pulled a fire alarm during the super bowl this same year. same guy he's, he's still from at boston it. yeah <laughs> he's from boston. <laughs>
6: yeah, from boston exactly and i wouldn't believe i wouldn't be surprised if he got a brady's jersey to also
0: the fire alarm bandit it's the two-man weave here we're here with ac green one of the most positive uh, uh iconic players to ever play the game uh ac let me ask you a question you played with Pat Riley and Phil Jackson. I know it's, you can't, it, 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 it's hard to articulate in, in this short form. What was the difference in styles with Phil and Pat Riley? You know, as far as them being a coach, being a leader. What would you say how it differentiate between those two guys? Well...
6: You had a chance to play with what we call baby Rouse, of course, Byron. Okay, yeah, we're, gonna get,
3: we're definitely going to get to that. Right. We explain
6: this, okay. We're going to have this discussion. <laughs> All right, so I'll set it up yes. by saying <laughs> that, you, know, you don't know, Phil, well, let's start with Coach Riley is the more intense person. Right. Okay, just, I mean, the kind of guy that if he needed us to be ready for that particular game, he, he himself is going to come into the locker room full of sweat. Okay, and he's going to communicate his message like it is the last two minutes in the game, and it's a fiery speech that he's just drilling home the, the key points. And so he his his tenacity was one that it just constantly protruded just throughout the locker room, and, and even in the timeouts, it was always just like that. That was mm-hmm. just him. Coach Phil Jackson, on the other hand, in that same scenario – it's just a more of a calmer approach. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, guys, we got to get, hey, we got to close, you know, close the middle. We got to make sure they shoot over the top. And when they, you know, contest the shots, Coach Riley, close the dog on middle. Make sure you put your hand in their face. If you got to foul him, foul him. You know, it was just one of those kind of things. And so, you're like, you just learn and adapt it to the personalities. But it was all just a setup because I want to hear Kenyon Smart yeah. talk so, about my teammate. Yeah, no, B. Scott, <laughs> listen, B. Scott
3: is definitely from Pat Riley's um, school of training, right? So, Pat started this thing Oops. called Easy Run. <laughs> Listen.
0: Riley started this.
3: Pat Riley started Easy Run. Which is? I don't know if he got it from somebody, but it is the single hardest thing that I've done since I've been in the NBA.
0: What, what is it?
3: It's a it's a run. It's not easy. They put a time <laughs> on the clock. Just say they put 25 minutes, 20 minutes on the clock. Jesus. Right? And you line up free throw line extended. You got two lines. You Line up free throw line extended. And... They say go. And you run. You put your hands up, right? You got to run with your hands up. When you get to the other baseline, you do defensive slides. You get to the, ba- on the corner of the baseline, you back paddle, Get to the other end, slide. Hands up. Run, slide, backwards, run, slide. 20 minutes. 20 minutes straight. Ye- Could you go outside and run backwards <laughs> for 10 minutes? Wait,
0: 10 seconds. Listen, I'm not going to have a problem no, no.
3: with what you're talking about. Your calves are going to burn so bad. Listen, man, I was a rookie. I'm coming off of tearing my ligaments in my ankle, breaking my leg in college my senior year, and this is the first thing that I have to do in training camp.
0: That's how he sets it off.
3: Listen, man, unreal.
0: Is is that that verified this, A.C. Green?
6: Oh, no, it started with Rouse, 100%
0: did he get this cockamamie idea from it's cockamamie idea
6: yeah. well we can talk about it now but we weren't gonna dare ask him that you know yeah. by no means because it it and it came at the end of practice you know right oh, so yeah. that's
3: what b scott flipped it yeah see b scott yeah. that's the first thing we did see, like, see, you know that's torture that is
6: that like yeah
3: it's unreal man like it so so the next year you know me i'm a thinker i'm cerebral. <laughs> I, listen so the next year i'm like I got something for you. <laughs> so I would run forward, but when it's time to backpedal, I would slide my feet. I'm sliding them backwards, so I ain't got to run on my toes backwards. Uh, so I'm, I'm preserving, I'm, I'm saving my calves. Right. You know what I'm saying, so I'm sliding them. I'm like, All right, we gonna listen. I'm gonna figure this out. But, hey, not again. Not again. Because it man. killed your calves. Yeah, man. Like that was bad. So Yo, you, you, It was
0: bad. There, there's, there's images in your head of you, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson. And the whole crew doing this? Captain, the big cap?
6: Everybody. No no okay. one's out. Nobody's in no No one's out uh, at all. Now, Phil Jackson, yes. on the other hand, in our training camp, yes, we wouldn't have 2 days Y'all went to Hawaii. And we would go. Yes, we, we would. Now, <laughs> Co- Coach Riley loved Hawaii, so I would give him credit. He yes. and Dr. Bus still yes. uh, uh, would hit Hawaii, yes. but Phil Jackson would – Love doing just a basic one, uh, a 90 minute practice session, okay? And it's putting plays in, you know, putting five on Mm O's. And so I go from what you just described to a Phil Jackson Laker training camp, one practice, 90 minutes, as opposed to three hours. And I'm and I, I walk out of practice and I'm looking like you know, is someone gonna grab me and b- by the collar and just like pull me back in and say, "No, it's not over yet"? Because I'm like, "Is that it? Is, you- are we really done?" You know, it's a joke. Oh gosh, it oh, was not
3: only one practice for three hours, <laughs> <laughs> right? Two of days, man. Each practice three hours. Like Come these kids on, these days. Listen, man, they on time restraints. Listen, they sitting out of games. <laughs> listen, like they start like the stuff that ACM had to go through, man, when they was like in their prime and coming up like the, co- the stuff that they were doing man like the travel and the 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 training like everything man like it was rough right. on those guys man and they the ones like in my opinion they deserve to be getting paid all the money because they had the, the, the hardest man right like they stay in the city they play stay in the city and they got to get up and catch the first flight out man the next morning like a regular flight like a regular flight man there's only limited first class seats so just say, AC's hey, a rookie, right? He got to sit in the back with the common folks. He's, you know I'm saying, he, he, all right. Like we can't sit in the back of the pool, right, but, right. But veterans get first choice. Like wow. they, like training stuff. Like they didn't have um, all the equipment and all the stuff that we have now in order for recovery and right. all that. Man, they used to go literally put ice in a trash can and for recovery. Man, like this is the stuff that they were going through. Like and for people not to pay the homage and respect and respect the stuff that they had to get through to get to this point, and now guys want to sit out of games. Mm. uh, Man, it's asinine, man. A.C. Green played in
0: 1,278 games out of 1,281 games. You missed three games in your career?
6: 99.8%.
0: Jesus Christ. A.C., now now, a lot of that is God bless luck because there's no serious injuries. When did you become aware that this was something that was, like, when did you become aware that, like, Yo, I didn't miss a game? Was it something you, you, you took pride in? Was it something you just, it just sort of happened, and then it became sort of part of your allure and part of, you know, what you did? Like, when that became a thing? And the second part is, what do you think about guys, like, look, I'm going to leave LeBron out of it. He's got tread on the tires. But what do you think about guys sitting out games, you know, three weeks into the season injury-free? So it's a two-part question.
6: Well, for, first of all, I think uh – I was raised, you know, by two southern parents, you know, Oklahoma and Texas, okay? And so you can imagine down south, you know, you, you, know, you, you know what work is and hard work is. And so that's pretty much what, where it came from, the culture of going to work. I saw my parents get up, go to work. I'm coming home from school. One's going in the house, one comes out the house, and they're tag teaming and, and providing for me and my three brothers and sisters, and so I saw the pattern of going to work and, and define a definition of hard work. Mm. And so when I inside of me, so when I went on, and was, you know, like you said, blessed to really to go to the league. Um, if I could breathe, I could play. Right. It, it was just as simple as that. Right. You know, you just went on and did work. And uh, some days you played well, some days you didn't. But the attitude on you going and, and ready and showing up to work, that's what you did. And so to your second point, is it's very simple. Um, you know, I, I get it today but I don't understand it, okay, because obviously, you know, but we know there's elements. Yeah. We know people get hurt, but, you know, put it into perspective, like you said, you just coming into the first month of the season and you getting a rest day. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I just I, I'm going to let Kenyon answer that no. one because so, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> no, like, I got a problem with it all,
3: man. Let me tell you, so, so they got this new thing. Or, or It started when I was in New York when I was playing for the Knicks. that they they put this vest on you and there's a chip that they put in this mm-hmm. computer and all this, so they try to monitor your workload, uh, right? And they put in a chip, and they, if you working out or whatever, they like they hold guys out of practice the next day because your workload is over 1,000. Right. Like, but for me, if I'm in shape, right, right, and if I'm in basketball shape, and the shape that I know I'm in to go out and play basketball, that chip can't tell you how hard I'm working. Because mm. you know basketball is easy for me. Because mm-hmm. I think the game first and foremost. I'll put myself in position in situations to where – it's smarter, not harder. You know what I'm saying? Right. So you can't tell me that my workload is not the same as the next guy. You know? So they babying him in that like in this aspect. So guys will practice one day and you come in the next day and he in there, like, <laughs> we getting ready and he ain't getting taped. I'm like, what like what's going Oh yeah, his workload was over a thousand. And <laughs> right. like that's wow. Like right like it's right. like how like really man? Like who are you to say that I'm not working hard? Right, like I right. dare you. So therefore, there was this thing like, "Can you, can you please put the chip on?" <laughs> no, I'm not putting the chip on.
0: AC Green, I got to let you go. I just want to tell you, I, I I really respect and appreciate all that you did in the league, all that you do with the AC Green Youth Foundation. You've been a great moral role model when you played, continuing to be a part of the NBA. I want to say, with all due respect, one of the illest Jerry curls to ever walk the earth first couple years in the league it was astounding um thank you for joining us on the two-man weave um yes sir pleasure to see you again i've seen you throughout the years you look fantastic thank you and continue doing your thing and continue to do it in a positive way because i know that's what you're all about it's a two-man weave ac green joining us Kenyon martin my name is michael rapport we'll be right back on nba on tune in